This is the Big Church Podcast. Well, how are you guys doing? Good? Whew, y'all. It's hot up here. <laughs> oh, guys, this series has been so fun for me. Like, I, I can't even explain to you. It's been so fun. Okay, for those of you guys that just don't know um, about me that much, one thing that you should know is that I grew up in the First Baptist Church of Taylorsville, Kentucky. Shout out to Taylorsville. Um, and with that being said, um, I'm also a huge nerd. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, huge nerd. Was then, most definitely am now, because my literal favorite thing in the entire world um, was Sunday school. Guys, I lived and I breathed for it, all right? Now, who in here, by show of hands, learned their Bible characters from a felt board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna pray for everyone else um, because I just love that for us. Like, we really lived in a great time of the felt board. But I just love taking a deep dive into the Old Testament. And I got news for you. I got news for you. Um, it's not boring. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. It's not boring. And if you think that, just everyone lean in, then you're boring. I said it, and I don't feel bad about it. It's so funny because I love it when I talk to people sometimes, and they, they talk about the Old Testament, and they're like, yikes, that Old Testament God. Okay, I'm talking mass floods. I'm talking plagues. I'm talking famine. I'm talking animal offerings. And I'm like, who's going to tell them that it's the same God? So, yes, this series is really doing it for me. And just to wrap up a little bit, the first two weeks, Pastor Rich gave two incredible messages on Abraham. And then last week, we learned about Joseph, who's probably one of my favorite Bible characters. And Tommy Williams did an amazing job with that. Yes. Today, I'm going to talk to you guys about this super cool guy. His name is Caleb. Who knows about Caleb? That's what I thought, like five hands, no worries, okay? Because by the end of today, you're gonna know about him, so buckle up, all right? All right, I'm gonna pray really quick. Jesus, help me, amen. All right, my title today is called That Something Different. You heard it right, you heard it right. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you got that something different. Yeah. You see, my guy Caleb, he had that something different. Scripture even says so. So let me just lay out this scene for you. Who's ready for a little bit of paraphrased Bible? Yeah. I'm going to ask you one more time because I think I just need you to be a little, just a little bit more passionate about that. We're not the Church of the Chosen Frozen. So I'm sorry. Um, who is ready for some Bible this morning. Thank you, thank you. All right, so I want you guys to think about the story of Moses, okay? Because we need to know about Moses to fully understand Caleb. Speaking of Moses, who has seen The Prince of Egypt? Okay, the greatest movie of all time, and half of y'all ain't even seen it. 
my gosh. Please go watch it. If that's the only thing that you get, please go watch that movie, okay? It's phenomenal. It's a Pixar movie. You heard that right. It came out in 1998, okay? And for those of us that have watched it, let's talk about that soundtrack. That soundtrack had no business being that good. I'm a 27-year-old woman, but when you put them tracks on, I will be belting there can be miracles when you believe like it is my job. No, Whitney Houston sings it, and I, I can't. She's too good. All right. So Moses, back to the story. Moses was born an Israelite, okay? But his mom, to keep him from getting killed by the Egyptians, put him in a basket and pushed him down the river so that he might have a chance to live. And ironically enough, he ended up with the daughter of Pharaoh and is raised Egyptian. And then, you know, he later discovers his identity. And oh my gosh, guys, the drama, the drama. I don't know who said the Bible was boring. The drama, okay? So he ends up, he kills an Egyptian. He runs away. He gets married. He has a life. And then God meets him in a burning bush. And he's like, so listen here, Moses. Do you remember that land you know, the one that you fled. Um, so I'm gonna need you to go back. I'm gonna need you to go back um, and let my people go. I need you to free my people. And you know, Moses fully obeys and he goes and the Pharaoh refuses to let God's people go. And then enters in, you know, the Nile River full of blood, the plagues, the Passover, the death angel. All of this ensues to free the Israelites, to free this enslaved group of people. Caleb is an Israelite and was one of those slaves that God wanted Moses to free. All Caleb has known his entire life is how to be a slave. He doesn't know anything different. And as a boy, his whole life, he would hear people, his people talk about the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob he would hear about this and he knew and he heard that how God was just gonna deliver them. He was gonna come and deliver them from this place of Egypt and that God had a promise for them. So when Pharaoh finally lets God's people go, Caleb is one of the two million, one of the two million people that go with him and is led out to the desert. And then we know what happens. Pharaoh goes back on his word, shocker, <laughs> shocker. Like we didn't see that one coming, all right? So he goes back on his word and they charge the Israelites at the Red Sea. And then what does God do? He splits a whole ocean, an entire ocean. So from being a boy, years had passed and he started hearing whispering as he was an Israelite and as he was in slavery, he started hearing this whispering about this, this guy named Moses and how that, his story was crazy. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and then he ran off because he killed an Egyptian and, and now he's back and guess what he's saying? He's saying, let God's people go. So when we think about this story, we usually think about it through the perspective of Moses, right? Right? Yeah. Just wanted to make sure you guys were still with me. 
we think about Moses' perspective, but Caleb at this point is just a bystander. But he literally witnesses God do miraculous things through Moses. He witnesses the Red Sea split in two. He walks through an ocean on dry ground. He witnesses the sea swallow up the Egyptians. So Caleb grows up hearing and believing that God has a promise for us, and he is seeing firsthand that God's word never returns void. So they make it to the other side of the sea, okay? And some time has passed. We'll say probably a few months. And God told Moses, he said, hey, Moses, I need you to pick out 12 spies and send them out to scout the land. And Moses is like, okay, bet fam, all right? He says, I pick you, I pick you, 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 you. I pick Joshua and I pick Caleb, okay? So Joshua and Caleb, they're not just picked to be scouts. They're picked to be the leader of the scouts, so they go and they head out scouting the promised land. And my people, what even is the promised land? Because when I was a kid, this is embarrassing, so this stays in this room. Don't tell anyone. Um, okay, so when I was reading this, and it makes sense, okay, for my sweet little seven-year-old self. Okay, so in reference to this story, I just thought the promised land was heaven, and you know, metaphorically, true. But in this context, it's an actual tangible land. Uh, and if you guys have ever heard of the land of Canaan, AKA the Canaanites, that is the promised land that God said is gonna be theirs, okay? So the scouts leave and the scouts are gone for 40 days. Say 40. 40. Good, you're gonna need to remember that number. And what I'm telling you guys, what I'm paraphrasing for you is in numbers 13 and 14, if you don't believe me. Um, and if you wanna go read it yourself, you're welcome. All right, so the scouts, they were gone for 40 days. They come back, okay? And they call a city council meeting, and that's just how I like to picture it, okay? So Moses is there, Moses' brother Aaron is there, and all of the Israelites are just waiting to hear this scout report, okay? Caleb starts off strong. He says, good news, fam. You will not believe the land that God has promised us. It's amazing, okay? This land, as the Gen Z would say, smacks. <laughs> Scripture says that the land is flowing with milk and with honey, guys. This land is where it's at. And yes, there currently are strong people occupying the land. However, they're fruitless and they're greedy. And God's protection is with us. And then one of the other scouts, you know, they decide to stand up and we're gonna call him Phil, okay? I don't know his name, it doesn't say, but I feel like I'm gonna call him Phil. So Phil stands up, okay? And he says, um, actually, I feel like we can always point out the Debbie Downer in the group when you know someone says, with the hair thing, um, actually, maybe some of you right now are realizing that it's you. All right, so Phil goes, um, actually, uh, even though this so-called land is good, <laughs> it is being occupied by the descendants of Anak. Now hold the phone, who are they? They're giants. The Bible has giants. I don't, I don't know if you guys knew that, but the Bible has giants, okay? That's a big deal. 
I was shocked, okay? So I'm so glad you guys asked that question, okay? And we're riveted by it. All right, so the other scouts are agreeing with Phil. All right, they're agreeing with him and they're just adding to the commotion and adding to the fear. And Caleb tries to quiet them down saying, let us go up at once and occupy it. We're able to overcome it. My guy Caleb is like, giants you say? And no big deal. Then Phil continues to say, Eo, we stand zero chance against them. They're strong. They've got walls that are fortifying the city. They're going to crush us. Fear immediately ensues all the people. And scripture actually tells us that they wept that whole night. And then it tells us that all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron. They demanded new leadership. Interesting that as soon as fear incites we demand new leadership. Just a thought to what you want. Um, so then the Israelites had the actual gall to continue to say, we would have been better in slavery. Oh, uh, let me do you one better. We would have been better off dead or dying in the wilderness. Caleb and Joshua are ticked, and rightfully so, okay? They're like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It says that they were so upset, they ripped their clothes. Do you know how upset you have to be to rip your clothes? <laughs> they tell the people that the giants inhabiting the land, they don't have the kind of protection that we have. They say that the Lord is with them, and they say to not fear. Well, then fear ensues the people again. And they said, you know what? Let's stone Caleb and Joshua. That's, that's a good idea. As soon as the people said that, the glory of God appeared in the tent. You see, they weren't taking God at his word. They didn't believe that God could destroy literal giants in their path. Need I remind you, they just watched God split an entire sea. So here's a question for you. When fear overwhelms you, how quickly do you forget the miracles that God has already provided for you? When fear overwhelms you in your finances, how quickly do you forget the financial freedom God's already brought you? And when fear overwhelms you and you sink back into your depression, how quickly do you forget that if God did it once, he'll do it again? So God appears in the tent and he ain't happy. He is not happy. God says, you asked to die in the wilderness, so that's exactly what you're gonna do. Every one of you over the age of 20 will die in the wilderness and you will not see nor go to the promised land. Oh my gosh, can you imagine Caleb and Joshua? Because they're over 20. They're probably in their 40s and they wanted so desperately to go to the promised land. They wanted that. So what do you think that they're feeling what do you think they're feeling right now when they get this sentence, this death sentence? And they didn't even do anything wrong. And then I love this verse. It says, it's Numbers 14, 24. And it says, but my servant Caleb 
has a different, say different, has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. So God not only exempts Caleb from dying in the wilderness, God is giving Caleb land to inherit. God's giving Caleb an inheritance. And God goes to speak to the Israelites. He says, you scouted for 40 days. I'm gonna let you wander for 40 years. Say 40. So for 40 years, the Israelites walked around in circles until an entire faithless generation died off. And this is where we pick up. That was just my intro. We are picking up in Joshua chapter 14, six through 14, okay? So this is 45 years later. Moses is dead. Joshua is now the leader of the nation of Israel and they are currently dividing up the promised land, okay? And Caleb goes back to claim the promise that God had declared to him. So let's read together. Do any of you guys have your Bibles? It's okay if they glow. But I would love if you got them out. All right, so verse six, it says, a delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gagal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Say followed. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that, your, that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and has as well as he promised for those 40 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the desert. Then he says, today, I'm 85 years old. Let's all give a happy birthday, Caleb. Um, come on. All right. He says, I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. Verse 12, so give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as, the, as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel, and the land had rest from war. Goodness gracious. So just to kind of lay out the scene a little bit, they are currently delegating land to the nine and a half tribes. And the first inheritance that we see is to the tribe of Judah. First of all, what is a tribe? What is it? Well, every tribe of the nation of Israel is named after one of the sons of the founder of Israel. 
which is Jacob, and you can learn about him in Genesis. Let's talk about the tribe of Judah, though, okay? Because they end up in this place of supremacy in the pecking order. Even though Judah is the fourth son of Jacob, they do become the most important tribe. And of course, from what we know from the New Testament, what tribe is Jesus from? Just think a little bit more confidently. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yes, we often hear Jesus being referred to as the Lion of Judah. And Caleb is a descendant of Judah as well and also the leader of the tribe. And Caleb is saying, I need you, Joshua, to give me your blessing so that I can go get my promise. This is audacious, okay? Ask yourself this question. Are you sitting around waiting for something that you know God has promised? God, I thought I'd have this by now, you know? God, I thought you'd show me something by now. Another question. Or are you choosing to claim your promise? Do you know that you can claim your promise? Do you know how? Because here's the reality. There are thousands of promises in the Bible and they are just waiting to be claimed. Thousands upon thousands of promises in the Bible and they are just waiting to be claimed. Most people don't know what the promises of God are because they don't read their Bible. Do you wanna know what the promises that God has for you? Read your Bible. Do you wanna walk in the promises that God has for you? Read your Bible. Do you wanna declare promises that's listed in the Bible over someone else? Read your Bible. <laughs> Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb had that something different. God even says so himself. There's something different, something special about that kid. He has a different perspective. He has a different attitude on the promises that I've given him. And I wonder if some of us are thinking, I really hope that's said about me. So what is so different about Caleb? And how can we be different like him? Well, first things first, Caleb was all in. He was all in to the call that God put on his life. There was full obedience. And let me just tell you this, God empowers us on this step of obedience. Empowerment comes not before we take the step, but as we take the step. God needs our step so that he can walk in it. And we need to fully trust God, even when we don't feel like it. And we need to be honest, and we need to say, God, God, I trust you, but I don't feel like it right now. Change my heart. I don't feel like it right now. I don't feel like worshiping God. Change my heart. But he won't change your heart if you're not willing to take the step. He will not change your heart if you are not willing to take the step. Caleb's heart was not distracted. There was nothing hindering from him from his commitment to the Lord. This one's a hard one for us. 
This is a hard one for us because I feel like in our culture, we exalt busyness, right? We exalt busyness. Can't hang out super busy. You know, we exalt busyness. Oh, you have, you just have that? Wait till you hear what I have to do. Busyness, busyness. And let me just be frank with you for a second. If something is a priority to you, you're going to make it a priority. If spending time with Jesus, the almighty God, the one who resurrected your soul, if, if you don't have the time in your schedule to spend with him, God is not a priority for you. Caleb wholeheartedly followed the Lord. And let me just redefine your definition on what it is to follow. Pastor Minnie, will you come up here for a second? So let me just show you what our society defines as following. You can go ahead. You see how we're walking at the same pace? Walking at the same pace. This is just follow the leader. We learned it in elementary school. All right, but this, this is God's definition of how to follow because God's definition of how to follow is to close the gap to close the gap. So there is, as, we'll turn here. <laughs> close the gap. So there is as little space between you and the Lord. There should be no space between you and God. It means to close the gap. Thank you so much. <laughs> Pastor Mindy, everyone. <sighs> to me, it means to close the gap. And this is why we say we walk with the Lord. We walk with the Lord, not behind, because when you walk with the Lord, there is relationship, right? And that's what, that's what this is all about. We're not here for religion. Jesus Christ did not come to establish any kind of religion. He came to establish relationship. That's what his heart cares for. Point number two, Caleb had a holy swagger. Caleb was confident, okay? He said, today, I'm 85 years old. Heck yeah, I am. I'm 85. Give me my hill country. Give me my promise. His confidence came from God's word. God spoke it, so it's gonna come to pass. Caleb's source of confidence was the word spoken from God. Where do we hear God's spoken word? The Bible, yes. What's the, what's the opposite of confidence? Doubt. Satan will do everything in his power to incite doubt. The last thing that the enemy wants is for you to be in your Bible because that's where you get confidence. The last thing the enemy wants is for you to be in your Bible because that's where you understand the promises that God has for you and where you can understand how to walk in authority in those promises. Don't do the enemy any favors and let laziness and idols and busy schedules get in the way of that. There was zero doubt in Caleb's mind when he claimed his promise 
Yes, he was 85 years old. Yes, the land was inhabited by giants, okay? But he knew that God's word would be fulfilled through him. My last point is that Caleb had bold faith. Say bold. Can you guys imagine the 40 years in the wilderness? God said to the people over the age of 20, all of you will die except for Joshua and Caleb. I mean, do you think that they weren't ridiculed? Do you think that it was easy for them to be the only exceptions to that rule? Do you think they didn't suffer in those 40 years? And when Caleb claims his promise, he's seasoned. But he says, I move around now just as I did 45 years ago. I'm ready. I'm gonna drive the giants out of this land because the Lord is with me. And here's the deal. We really don't get much coverage on the battle, okay? But what I can tell you is that somewhere in between verses 13 and 14, the land was conquered. And Caleb was the leader of the tribe. He could have just sent his sons to lead and to fight that battle, but he didn't. Caleb, who was seemingly unqualified, put his faith in God and conquered what most people called impossible. I just wanna ask, is there anyone in here right now that just feels like they're going through something impossible and that you just can't come up for air and that you'll just never reach the purpose that God has put on your life? I just feel so heavily that the Lord wants me to tell you and anyone going through this situation that you think is impossible, he wants you to know that he sees you, he knows you, and he loves you, and to keep going. Keep going because your story isn't failure. Keep going because your story isn't shame. Keep going because your story is not depression. Keep going because your story isn't abuse. Keep going because your story is not addiction. Keep going because your story is not a broken family. Keep going. Keep going because your story, your story's victory. Your story's grace. Your story is mercy. Your story is compassion. Your story's resurrection. It's protection. It's love. That's your story. Your story is Jesus. And as we close, I just wanna ask everyone in the room to stand. And if you're following Jesus, I just wanna talk to you real quick in the room. If you're following Jesus, I wanna encourage you, but I also wanna challenge you. You can always go deeper. The most dangerous thing we as Christians can do is never grow. Why? Well, because complacency breeds apathy, and apathy breeds a spiritual death. So I wanna challenge you, and I'm, I'm calling it the Caleb challenge because alliteration, I like that. Everyone in this room that wants to go deeper, that wants to go all in, none of this half in, half out mess. We're not about that. Who wants to go all 
in, who wants to be confident in Jesus, who wants to have a bold faith, who wants to be bold enough to say, God, I don't have it in me right now, but I need you to do a supernatural work and I need you to step in and do it for me and elevate my faith because I wanna go deeper, I wanna go further. And if that's you, if you want more, raise your hand. You can be the most seasoned, most holy Christian, and you could still go deeper. Now, if you raised your hand, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna ask you to take a step further. I'm gonna ask you to come up here because what I'm gonna ask you to do is make a covenant with God. Not a covenant with the church. This is between you and God. If you raised your hand right now, I want you to make your way to the altar. Make your way to the altar. You say, you're saying, I want a bold faith. I wanna be confident in the promises that God has given me, and I wanna walk in those and have authority to speak truth over my life, to speak love over my life, to speak love over my friend's life who's having a hard time. And just going back to the story, the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, they they decided to go with the terrified 10. Those 10 spies, those 10 scouts who were just too afraid, too afraid to take that step and to go into the promised land and to go to that place that God so desperately, desperately wanted for them. They followed the terrified 10 instead of the faithful two. And the honest fact of the matter is that you are, every single person in this room, we are two kinds of people, one, someone who wholly follows the Lord and builds people up. Or two, you don't and you have so much fear inside you, your heart that the people around you will fear too. Oh, Ashley, it's a little black and white there. It's gotta be some gray area, not in my Bible. You see, you're either in Christ or you're not. You're either in flesh or you're in the spirit. Well, can't I be in both? No, that's not how it works. You see, you're either someone who says, God has promised us this land and he's gonna be faithful, so let's go and get the land and walk in obedience, or you're someone who says, you know what, I prefer slavery. And right now, I wanna talk to the people in the room who haven't made that decision who still have questions and that's okay. I've been a Christian since I was like seven and I've continued to have questions, but God has always been faithful and he's always been good. So if you don't like the answer to the question, you're the only one that can change it. And maybe for the first time you've realized I'm a slave. Maybe you've been sitting in chains for so long that it's all you know. Like Caleb was when he was growing up, all he knew was slavery. But when Caleb witnessed God, when Caleb witnessed God, there was no going back. And I pray that that is this moment for you because when you experience God, 
when you experience him, when you experience the kindness and the protection and the conviction and the discipline and the love and the compassion and the mercy and the grace, when you experience that, you will never be the same. And if you decide to give your life to the Lord today, come pray with us. The prayer team is up here. I am up here. We are wanting to pray with you. It is no obligation for us. We want to celebrate. If you've given your life to the Lord, fill out the connect card. Take that next step. There is no harm in that. Don't have fear about that. That's what the church is for. Fill out your connect card, take it to the welcome bar. Click the link in the, in the comments. And I just feel like I need to tell everyone in this room and everyone watching online, I need to tell you that God isn't finished with you yet. God is not finished with you yet. So Jesus, Jesus, first and foremost, God, we love you. We love you so much. We thank you that you sent your son to die for us. You sent your son to die for us while we stood in the crowd and we spit on you. But you did it anyway for a maybe. God, we thank you. We thank you that you bring resurrection life, that you bring, you bring truth, God. And we choose to stand in that resurrection life and in that truth today, God. We choose to worship you, God. And in these next few moments, if you still feel like you are just on an uphill battle and there's still something so impossible in your life, press in to worship. Even if you don't feel like it because you're singing powerful, prophetic words. And God, if we say them, we're speaking it over ourselves. We're speaking it over our lives. We're ministering to ourselves. So our heart only falls in line with what you say and the truth that you say about us, God. So we ask that you do what only you can do in this place and in this house and in this family and in this community, God. Lord, we love you and we give you all the glory We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.